Welcome to the boss level. My name is Enigma. I am your evil supervillain and your host. Of course, I'm also a 15-year video game industry veteran. I'm a lifelong gamer, game console collector, and a part-time streamer. Hope you're having a great week so far. We're going to get your Monday started off right. I uh, hope everything's going okay for you. It's been a pretty nice week here in the uh, suburbs of Chicago. Kind of uncharacteristically warm. Uh, it's a little cooler right now, but supposedly over the next week we're supposed to see some near to 70 temperature, 70 degrees. Definitely, we'll take that. You know, I look at uh, I, I look at this as being any any day we get that's a, that's above the normal at this time of year and beyond. I look at kind of stealing a day from winter. So uh, I I'll take them for as long as we can get them, as far as I'm concerned. But that being said, uh, I have been still recovering a little bit from COVID. I did uh, kind of I did work this week all week, and you know, it was, I, I'm much better now. I still have a little bit of a cough that that drives me a little bananas from time to time, but for the most part, I am uh, completely healed. My stamina has pretty much returned back to what it was, and uh, now. It's just trying to get rid of this annoying cough, and I've been eating cough drops and all that wonderful stuff that you associate with that. Uh, the funny thing is, is that uh, I'm usually a very big like uh, berry flavored things. I like berry flavored things. So when I went to the store to get cough drops, I got the uh, the berry flavored ones of of a famous, very famous brand. You're probably thinking of it right now. And uh, I started taking them, and and I was like, this tastes like hardened cough medicine is what it tasted like to me. So uh, while I usually prefer the berry flavored uh, things, uh, berry flavored cough drops, not least uh, of this famous brand, were not really what I wanted. So, But that being said, let's go ahead and get our good housekeeping out of the way. As I said at the top of the show, I am a part-time streamer. You can find me on Friday nights and Sunday mornings streaming on Twitch. And my handle over there is Evil Enigma. Evil, E-V-I-L. And then Enigma, E-N-Y-G-M-A. You can find me over there streaming. Uh, we're about waist deep into Spider-Man 2 right now. It's not a blind playthrough for me because I did complete the the game uh, this morning, my uh, my offline game that I've been playing. So I know how it ends, but I'm still enjoying it just the same. Uh, I know I did my review of it last week as, and I hadn't completed the game yet, but I was pretty much, I was very close to being done with it. Uh, and quite honestly, my, my opinion still stands. The story... Yeah, still a little weak in some places. I'm not particularly fond of how the game ends a little bit there. Uh, they are setting up for a third game. It, uh, the, there are some after-credit scenes, mid-credit roll, after-credit roll. Where you'll, you'll see some some stuff that they are planning for the next game. You can you can tell. I won't spoil anything here, but uh, new characters, new things going on, you know, things of that nature, uh, are they're, they're coming. They're coming, and I'm sure that they are going to... Uh, have some sort of announcement over the next couple of years or what they're planning on doing with uh, with the Spider-Man franchise. I know Wolverine is their next game. They've got the Wolverine game coming out, but uh, they're not, they're not done with Webhead. They're gonna there's gonna be some Spider-Man stuff coming up here in the uh, in the near future, I believe. Also, you can tell there's gonna be some DLC. They kind of alluded to it with uh, some of the mid missions you were doing. That uh, especially one that again I don't want to spoil it, but uh, there's a mid mission you do where you realize, hey, wait a minute. And uh, then it, it becomes clear that, yeah, there, there's something, something's going to happen, something's going to go on here, and uh, that's, that's like I said, that's coming up. I'm sure there's going to be some DLC with a certain character in the Spider-Man universe, a certain villain in the Spider-Man universe, and that that'll be uh, coming out. But uh, waiting for the announcement. But that, you know, that's what I'm doing. I stream on Friday nights and Sunday mornings. Uh, Friday nights, it's usually not between nine to nine thirty to uh, midnight or 12.30, depending on when I start. I stream for three-hour blocks. Uh, last night, it was about 9.20 I got on, and then I was able to stream till about 12.20 and, and uh, ended up uh, being done there. I use Usually, Friday nights are my bourbon stream. That's when I drink a little bit of bourbon to unwind from the week, and uh, that's when I kind of say stupid things. So if you want to see me say stupid things, at least stupider than what I say here on the podcast, feel free to head over there and, and watch me uh, do that on Friday nights. Sunday mornings, it's usually between 9 and noon. Again, it's another three-hour block, so if it's 9.05, I'll stay till 12.05, you know, things like that. That is how I, uh, I do things. Uh, we except we're playing Spider-Man, and uh, uh, definitely check me out on Twitter as well. I'm at uh, Evil Enigma on Twitter. That's where I do most of my uh, communications about my streaming and making people laugh and trying to find funny memes to put up and things of that nature. And and uh, I do talk with people. So if you want to uh, talk with me, that's the best place to get a hold of me is on Twitter. 
uh, at Evil Enigma. You can ask me questions about the podcast or my streaming or make suggestions. I would appreciate that. I, I really would appreciate that and try to see where we can go, uh, you know, with that and, and, and get suggestions because the only way I'm going to get better is by uh, exposure and getting people to interact with me about it. So go ahead and check me out at Evil Enigma on Twitter. I'm Evil Enigma on Twitch as well. You can find me there in both of those places. I am also a team member of Team Dragonfire and a content creator for the Kindred Knights. We have our own line of hot sauces and, and uh, health supplements and apparel over at kindrednations.com. Now take out that E at the end of Kindred, put in a number three, that's where you want to go, kindrednations.com. You can check out their stuff there. I'm a very big fan of the hot sauce. They're all made fresh. They're all really, really uh, good hot sauces, the ones that I have had, and uh, they are continually adding to the line as they shovel. You know, Some stuff's limited. They, what's here today is gone tomorrow, so you might want to uh, get your you know, get, get get what you're looking for right now because it might not be there tomorrow. So go go check out their uh, the line of hot sauces. I'm a big fan of the of the night sauce. Also, a pretty big fan of uh, the Team Dragonfire sauce, the Honey Garlic Fire. Both are really good sauces. Uh, I know the DOA. That's a really hot sauce. And then you know they have other other stuff for that's something that'll fit your fancy over there. You can put in all sorts of stuff, and uh, it actually is a very good flavor enhancer. I put uh, the honey garlic fire on baked beans. It makes baked beans taste really good. So definitely uh, go over there and check that stuff out. And use my code Enigma when you check out E N Y G M A, and you'll get ten percent off your order. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to that and my uh, good housekeeping section of the podcast as I, I keep uh, plugging that stuff because hopefully it'll help me grow a little bit and, and uh, make a little bit of money on the side. I would love nothing more than to uh, do this full time, but uh, that's going to be a lot of exposure. It's going to have to be discovered by a lot of people. And uh, while I'm on that topic, I want to thank a couple of people. Uh, they know exactly who they are. I don't have to call them. I don't have to call them by name who have really... Uh, they're newer listeners to the podcast, and they, through uh, either direct communication with me or through somebody that uh, I know, I've heard really, really nice things that have been said about uh, about my podcast, and I really do appreciate that, guys. You guys know who you are. Thank you so much, and I hope uh, I hope you'll stick around and, and continue listening to uh, my musings here. I really, really do. Thank you. So I figured today we would spend today's podcast doing a little bit of a retrospective on a game, one of my favorite games of all time. As uh, we are uh, at the holiday period where there's there's a whole bunch of new stuff coming out, but there's not a lot of game news. And I know we are uh, inching closer to uh, Jeff Keighley's Game Awards. I'm sure I will uh, watch that and do a review of that on uh, one of the future podcasts. Uh, I'll even look at the list. I might spend a podcast looking at his lists of what's been nominated. Uh, I mean, I've, I've talked about it before. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Jeff Keighley. He is one of the original, 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 real video game journalists, and uh, he it w- has never been the type of guy to use his platform to make himself look better. He's always been about the video game industry. He's always been about uh, propping up gaming, game developers, game titles, game publishers. That has been his shtick for uh, 20 plus years, and he's continued to do it to this day. Uh, That being said, it's no secret that uh, he also has... Yeah, you've shown a little favoritism towards his friends, you know. It's it's, and I don't say I blame him. It's what happens. He nominates his buddies, and and they win awards. You know, it's that's that's how it works. Show up, to, show up, and collect your award. And oh, by the way, could you go ahead and show off your new game while you're here? But we'll 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 cover that stuff when we get to it. Uh, for now, we're gonna do a little bit of retrospective. One of my favorite uh, games from the Super Nintendo. It's a game I still own the original cartridge for, and and I, I'll tell you guys the story about uh, how I originally played it and then what happened and all that sort of stuff. Uh, well, everybody knows, I mean, you guys know, my favorite game series is Final Fantasy. Uh, it has been for forever. I know some of the more recent entries. 16 was pretty good. I'm not going to uh, bash 16. It's probably the best one they've done. And I don't count the online ones, but it's definitely better than 15. It's uh, better than 13 by far. Uh... 12, it's about the same, it's probably, it's a little better than 12, I would say it's the best one since 10, quite frankly, I, it'd be my opinion, Final Fantasy 16, so, 
Uh, I very much uh, liked it. So, uh, and I did a review of it uh, on on a past podcast. So, of course, go please feel free to go listen to that. Uh, I played it on stream. Really liked it. It's it was fun, and I, I quite a bit enjoyed it. But uh, to me, Final Fantasy hasn't been Final Fantasy since basically the last really really good. Final Fantasy to me was Final Fantasy IX, quite frankly. But uh, one of my favorite games that uh, I, I played, and, and I played through a different means than usual, was Final Fantasy II US, or as it's pop- or popularly known now, Final Fantasy IV. So for the sake of argument, we're going to refer to it as it's currently known as Final Fantasy IV. Because Final Fantasy II is a completely different game, okay? Two uh, US for... Uh, you know, I, I, let's just go ahead and quickly go through the story. I know I've told it before. Uh, Final Fantasy One is Final Fantasy One here in the states, and it's Final Fantasy One in Japan. After that, the Nintendo, the old Nintendo, had two more Final Fantasy games come out for it that we didn't see here uh, during the time period. They have come out subsequently in more recent years, but they uh, have not come out. They did not come out when they originally came out. So when Final Fantasy Four came out here for the Super Nintendo. They renumbered it to Final Fantasy 2 because technically it was the second Final Fantasy that was released here. But for the sake of everyone's confusion and my sanity, we're going to call it what it actually is, which is Final Fantasy 4. And I can tell you, I remember, I loved Final Fantasy 1. And then uh, I got my issue of Nintendo Power and they uh, had a write-up of Final Fantasy 4 in there. Okay, And again, I'm talking about 2 US 4. I'm going to refer to it as 4. Um, and I noticed as I was flipping through it and reading it, that all the characters in the game were named already and they were pre-made. And I was very much in favor of making my own group at that point where I could make my own party. Like in the original Final Fantasy, you had four character slots in Final Fantasy. You could create your party the way you wanted to. You could have a fighter, monk, white mage, black mage, red mage, or thief, and you could have any combination of a four, any four uh, combination of those four characters, and name them what you wanted to, and, and all that good stuff. Uh, I really liked that, and I so when I saw Final Fantasy four had pre-made characters and this this story, I kind of thought, what the heck? This is not what I want at all. I, I don't want them telling me a story. I want to make my own story, right? That's what that's the way I looked at. It. I want to make my own characters. So I didn't buy it. I just skipped right by it and didn't even think about it at all. I just kind of let it go and uh, did not realize that uh, what it actually, how good it actually was, because I never played it. And then uh, I was living in Georgia, as uh, I've told on my podcast and on my uh, my uh, streams before. I moved around a whole lot when I was younger. I went to three different high schools for crying out loud. Uh, I went to, I I moved like 11 times before I graduated high school. And uh, so people wonder, well, how how come you are like, you you don't have this or you don't have that? Why don't you, you you know, how can you be shy? A lot of people, how, why do you have a lot of confidence in yourself? And it's uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, I was, I was moving around all the time, right? And the only constant I had in my life was my games for the most part. So that's why I am big into gaming is for that reason. And, and uh, But I had a friend in, in high school when I lived in Georgia, which Georgia was my favorite place to live, by the way. Who's, and I want to say his name was Jeff. And I apologize if I do not remember the names of every friend I had in school, there weren't many of them because I moved around so much. But the fact of the matter is, is that they were still, I was nomadic. So I knew anywhere I was, that I was living, that I wasn't going to be there for very long. So why bother memorizing things, you know? So I believe his name was Jeff. And he, uh, he said, have you played Final Fantasy 2? And again, Final Fantasy 4 is what we're talking about here. And I said, no, I've never played it. I, I saw it in the magazine. I saw it in Nintendo Power and just never really thought it would be that good. He goes, dude, you have to play this game. So he let me borrow his copy of Final Fantasy 2, uh, 4, 4. I said, we're going to call it 4. I don't care. I don't care. We're calling it 4. Uh, he's, he, so he let me borrow his copy. And uh, sat down to play it. And oh my God, it just blew me away. The story was so good. I loved I, the characters all having different personalities. Uh, you, you could see the emotion. 
uh, in the way that the, the characters interacted with each other. It's so hard to convey emotion through text and through small little, you know, bit-based characters like that, but they totally did it with that with that game, and it's just a joy to play from beginning to end. And uh, so I was playing it, and then all of a sudden I find out that my friend Jeff had moved away. And I was like, holy crap, he forgot his copy of Final Fantasy IV. And I was like, maybe that means I get to keep it, right? Well, no. Uh, one summer day he showed up and uh, said, hey, where's my Final Fantasy IV? And so I had to give it back to him. So I gave him back his copy. And uh, how, how, to make a long story short, too late, uh, Square was not a very successful publisher slash uh, here in the States at the time. They were not very uh, uh, popular. Their games were popular, you know, the underground success, but it's not like they had a whole lot of print runs of their games. So with, with a lot of their games, you had one run of it, and that was it. Final Fantasy II was completely out of stores at this point. You couldn't get it anymore. I had to find a way to find this game, and it's, that's where I learned. I did something called, and I, I kind of still do it today from time to time, but I, I used to do it at least once a month. You go pawn shop hopping. Uh, now I realized that there was EB Games was was a thing back then around where I lived and and uh, things like that. But uh, truth of the matter is is that uh, at the time before GameStop and before uh, your your uh, Amazon and eBay's online, one of the best places you could go to find video games was a pawn shop. You could walk into a pawn shop; they would have video games there. You could go through them, and uh, one of the things you could do a lot of the times with the pawn shop owners is you could negotiate. They would tell you that they wanted twenty dollars for the game, but if it was something where you thought you were you you knew what you had, you could offer to pay a little less for it and see what they would do. And you could negotiate. You can still negotiate with pawn shop owners a lot of the time, for the record, uh, because a lot of them are independently owned and operated. So the guy behind the counter there, or the gal gal behind the counter there, they're somewhat vested interest in how much you're going to pay for something. And I can tell you that there have been games where I've had to negotiate prices down. A lot of the games that I have, a lot of retro games that I have that that uh, are that are tough to find. For instance, I have a copy of Fantasy Star, the original Fantasy Star, in the Sega Master System. Uh, I got that at a pawn shop, and the guy had no idea what he had. He had a whole bunch of Master System games. I only really wanted Fantasy Star, but I offered him. He he had like five or six, I say a whole bunch. He had five to ten games, and I and I was I lucked into getting a Master System. I was working at a game store at that time, and some guy walked in with a, a Master System and a whole uh, carton full of games, like twenty games, and uh, we didn't buy them at this because it was a the Master System was the uh, competitor to the, to the old Nintendo, and it didn't do very well here in the states, so we didn't buy it. Uh, but he was like, dude, I need. I need gas money. I don't even have any money to get back to my house. Can can you can what can you do for me? So I reached in my wallet. I gave him twenty bucks. He gave me the box. So to this day, I have a master system and I have a whole slew of games for it uh, because I I gave him twenty bucks and he gave me a box of his master system stuff. So I was looking for Fantasy Star. Well, I walked into this pawn shop and the guy had. 10 games, whatever it was. And I offered him, I think I offered him 30 bucks for the lot. And he was like, no, 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 you can't do it. And, uh, he said they're 20 bucks per game. And I said, no, so I looked and I saw he had fancy star and I was like, dude, I, how about I give you 10 bucks for that one? And he looks at me and I look at him and he goes, all right, 10 bucks. And I gave him 10 bucks for the one game. And that's the game that I wanted. I wanted that out of all the ones that he had, Fantasy Star was very valuable, is very valuable. The original Fantasy Star is a very valuable game on the Master System. And uh, that's how I got it. It was, I got it from a pawn shop. And that's also how I found my copy of Final Fantasy IV is, is uh, in Georgia. I was pawn shop hopping where I'm looking at pawn shops. And I ran into this this uh, smaller pawn shop, and he had three Super Nintendo games, and one of them was Final Fantasy IV. And I saw that the red cover to it, and I was like, oh my god. And I believe I paid $15 for it, if I'm not mistaken. It was like 15 bucks I paid for that. And it had the manual with it. It didn't have the box, but it had the manual. I uh, subsequently ended up getting the box because when you work in game stores, you run across things. So I managed to procure a box. And I remember that the manual looked like someone had uh, had it in 
kitty litter for a while. It was a very dried and, and, and dirty manual. But uh, again, you work in a game store, you swap those things out. So I got a better copy of it and ended up swapping it out. And that's how I ended up getting my copy that I still have to this day. Uh, I have not plugged it into a Super Nintendo in many years, so I have no idea if uh, the battery is still good. But I can tell you about five years ago, I did plug in my copy of Secret of Mana into my Super Nintendo and managed to play that. So I, maybe the batteries are still good in those things. I really don't know. All I can tell you is, is that uh, I did procure my copy from a pawn shop. I still have it with the box and the instructions as I have uh, managed to find them at a later date. And uh, I, I, I do still have it out of my... Uh, my my game collection and the truth is is that unfortunately the super nintendo is one of my i don't want to say it's a blind spot with me because i loved my super nintendo was one of my favorite consoles of all time but i was turning into an adult during that time period and i ended up get selling a lot of my games uh that i had to get other games and unfortunately i wish i wouldn't have done that i sold a lot of stuff that's that's worth a lot of money now you know, like Mario RPG, I sold that. Earthbound, I sold that. Ninja Turtles 4, I sold that. And I, I love all those games. I wish I still had them. Uh, I have them one way or another. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But uh, I don't have uh, the original cards like I wish I did. So uh, just stu- you know, being a stupid young adult at that point, that's, that's what I was doing. So anyway... That's how I got my copy of Final Fantasy IV that I still have. But how about the game? What is so uh, wonderful about the game? Well, uh, you play as the uh, you start out playing as a Dark Knight Cecil. Some folks call him Cecil. Uh, either is correct, uh, but I believe Cecil is the way that most people have said it. And uh, he is tasked by he is the captain of the Red Wings, which is a, uh, a fleet of airships. From the kingdom of Baron, and the king of Baron has tasked Cecil with uh, getting the uh, crystal from the uh, town of Mystia. Mystia is a town of mages, magic uh, magic town, and they have a crystal, and the king wants it. So he's like, "Go get that for me." And uh, Cecil basically has to assault this town of innocent people to take their crystal and he has second thoughts about it and that's basically how the game starts is he steals the crystal and then uh, you know everything starts to uh, to happen and along the way you will meet many 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 unique characters each of which has a very well fleshed out personality which is something that uh, Square Soft this is before Square Enix Square Soft did at the time and did very well quite frankly was they could take a character that had uh, that was nothing on screen but a bunch of pixels and through their clever script writing through their uh, the way that they you know could have the graphics laugh and things like that they were able to bring emotion and bring character to to these pixels and uh, I really found it to be one of the better stories told, quite frankly. And a lot of the characters in the game, like I said, unique personalities that they all have. And they emote it ex- exceedingly well. You have, uh, you know, when you meet the sage Tella, uh, he's not a happy camper. His, his, he says his daughter's been kidnapped and he's on his way to, to save her from... Uh, you know the, the people that that, that uh, kidnapped her, and he's he's not happy about it. You can tell he's very angry. Every, all of his his interactions with people, he he has a really kind of short temper, and and you can tell that he's he's really uh, revenge motivated is what he really is, and it's a character flaw with him. And he he still tries to uh, be sagely and wise, but but his anger gets in the way a lot of of, of things. His 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 hatred gets in the way of a lot of things. Then you have the, the characters Palam and Porum, the twin mages, white mage and, and black mage, and they are uh, you know, the the young lady uh, Palam is very she's grown up for her age. She's young, but at the same time she's she's very very uh, wise. And then Porum is a, he's a he's a jerk. He's a smart a smart butt is what he is. So you you go, you meet all these characters. You get to know them. They you develop personal attachments to them because you're watching them develop and go through life altering events themselves, and it endears you to them quite frankly. And and you know, the main character Cecil his his uh, love interest's name is Rosa, and she's a main a, a 
pivotal character in the game. She, you know, she uh, gets kidnapped at one point, and then you have to uh, rescue her, and she becomes a permanent party member from that point, and she's a talented white mage. You'll meet all these characters and uh, as you progress through the story, and yes, it is, you're basically progressing through a story. You're basically reading a book. It's an interactive book, and the story is going to pan out the way that it usually, that it pans out every time. You're, you're going to play it once, and then all the plot twists are going to be the same the second or third time you play through it. That's uh, how it is. But just like I know people who read certain books once a year, like I, I know uh, Sir Christopher Lee would read Lord of the Rings once a year. That was his thing. He loved Lord of the Rings. Same thing applies here with Final Fantasy IV, is that uh, during that time period, I played through Final Fantasy IV many times. Not because I was trying to... Uh, find a way to, to, you know, get a different result or anything like that. It's because I just enjoyed the experience so much. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the plot twists and the characters and the, and, and all that. And every once in a while, you'd find something that, uh, you didn't find the first time because there were different, uh, for instance, Rydia's summons, you would actually find little random summons sometimes that you had no idea that were there. Like, uh, the imp, the weakest monster in the whole game can be a summon for Rydia. You, if you find her, that if you find it, that's it. Is it's a random drop, and uh, it's not something you find every time. So, I really did uh, enjoy uh, finding little random things like that. Now, the, the the truth of the matter is, is that uh, the game we got here, the original Final Fantasy IV, is what the Japanese refer to as easy mode. Uh, it was looked at that Final Fantasy games were a little difficult. For Western audiences, we, so they figured they needed to dumb it down a little bit, make it a little easier. They would add, uh, remove certain items from the game they didn't need to be there. Uh, other things were uh, the game did this uh, something that they called uh, how did they call it? It was like a storyline progression kind of thing. You didn't have to grind. Uh, a lot of role-playing games, especially now when you play them, there's always a part where you want to go off and grind a little bit instead of going off the beaten path. Uh, instead of uh, you know go, instead of following the story, you go off the beaten path and you 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 have to grind. You start killing monsters. You start finding stuff. You do little side missions to build up your um, you know your level and, and make sure you're strong enough to move on into the game and make sure that you're overpowered for what's going on. And it happens in every JRPG is uh, these days is that there's always that part where you go off and go. I'm going to go over here and, and grind a little bit. And uh, Final Fantasy IV had this thing the easy mode where you didn't have to grind is the game was auto leveling you to be able to meet whatever uh, challenge there was at that point for the most part if if you were dying it was because of something that of uh, you you had the wrong uh, item equipped you had the wrong you know um, whatever but it wasn't because you you weren't high enough in level because the game auto leveled you to make sure you were there for the most part a couple of random battles you'd level up two or three times and then bam you're all set for the boss you could grind if you wanted to and believe me I did uh, but truth is is that you didn't have to the game had on the easy mode of Final Fantasy 4 did have this feature that it progressed your level enough to where you were strong enough to take on the next boss or whatever was 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 coming up. Now, in subsequent years, we have received the actual Japanese versions over here into English. So, if you're playing the original Super Nintendo version of Final Fantasy IV, you're playing the easy mode, and you can't get out of it. If you have played like the Pixel Remaster that just came out, or you play Final Fantasy IV on the Game Boy Advance when it came out, or you get the one on the PlayStation, those ones do not have the easy mode on them. They actually uh, are the normal modes. And uh, th there's a couple of differences, but you know, with uh, items you can procure, there's also commands that were removed. For instance, Rose of the White Mage had a, a uh, something called Prey, where she would pray and then it would be a small heal to the entire group. Well, in the Super Nintendo version, that was all removed. They didn't have any of that in there. But in every version we've had since then, she has the ability to pray. And uh, that's something that's been, all the characters have something like that. And, uh, you know, Cecil's darkness attack where he, he launches a deadly attack with his uh, dark sword, but it actually hurts him to do it. Things like that are, in, are were in that game. And they are in every other version that we've seen. Now, Final Fantasy IV has been remade several times. It is exceedingly popular as far as Final Fantasies go. In fact, 
I can tell you that it's uh, it's my second favorite of the series, quite honestly. Uh, but it's very popular. A lot of people, it's a lot of people's favorite. I know a lot of people who think Final Fantasy IV is the best one. And, uh, you know, I think six is the best one. Four is, is uh, my second favorite, so it's right there. It has been re-released several times, including a full 3D remake that was originally on the Nintendo DS. You can still get that on the... Uh, I think you can get it on Steam, quite frankly, and I'm pretty sure you can get it on iOS as well for the iPad. And uh, it's very hard. The 3D version that they made is very hard with the difficulty. It looks really cool uh, just simply because they used the original uh, character designer, Yoshitaka Amano's character designs for the the uh, way the, the characters look. Uh, Yoshitaka Amano designed the characters for, for a lot of Final Fantasy games. He did the first six for certain, and then uh, I believe he did uh, the ones for nine. But he always had, and he's, he's still to this day credited for making the Final Fantasy logo. It's still in the credits, you'll see that. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that his character designs are very hard to put to pixels. And uh, so they would always change them in some way or another. If you look at the official artwork of Cecil, and you look at the original uh, artwork of Cecil in the game, you can tell they look completely different, and that's because they could not correctly translate the way that Amano's painting style is. And pa Amano is a painter, by the way. He is not... He, I don't, well, I'm sure he draws, too, but his stuff is all done... Uh, his character designs are all painted. Translating those to pixels was very hard, so they would always look different. The character portraits might be uh, the Amano artwork, but looking at... Cecil and then looking at the sprite on the screen of Cecil you go okay well I can tell it's a dark night but it, this guy doesn't look like that guy at all and it's just because they had to work with what they had in the 3D version they actually used the Amano painting style to actually represent the characters as they interacted and they talked on the screen so and and they fought so Cecil looks like the the Cecil painting uh, Rosa looks like the you know Rosa's supposed to and they, and that was a really welcome feature to it but as I did say it is a very difficult version uh, of the game to to play as it's not going to hold your hand at all it's just going to be right there it's going to hit you in the face and it is it's difficult it's not an easy game to play uh, a lot of folks I've talked to who uh, who like Final Fantasy IV don't like playing that one just simply because of how hard the game is. Other people uh, like the difficulty, and that that's fine. I I have beaten the game, but it is it is a grindy experience. You will have to grind, and you have no uh, recourse about it. You might have the best items in the entire game, and the final boss is still gonna whip your butt. So you need to make sure that you take time to properly level your characters. Other versions of the game, you're able to actually choose the party you use at the end. Uh, as you're playing through Final Fantasy IV, you're going off of a story, it's a pre-made story, and uh, you're able to, uh, you, you always have the same party going from beginning to end. And the, well, the party, well, your party members might change, but it's always predetermined is what I'm trying to say. So you always, the only character you, you have through the whole game is, is Cecil, and Cecil does go through a major character change about a third of the way through the game. And then you have to start come over with him as far as levels go. Uh, but I think it's the Game Boy version that actually gives you the ability to, as you get to the final dungeon, you can actually choose one of different, you know, your party of characters. Instead of using the, the five characters that you have, uh, you've, you're given, which is the ones that you're supposed to beat the game with because that's how the, the story is progressing. I think it's the Game Boy version allows you to use almost any character that you've had access to earlier. Uh, though I think there's one. One, one for certain you can't use, but other characters, they uh, magically appear again. It's like, oh gosh, we're, we're back. You can totally uh, take us up there with you instead if you want to get rid of somebody and then, and then take, take us instead. And uh, that's interesting because there are some powerful characters that you'd lose access to. Yang, the, the, uh, the Kung Fu Master, for instance, very powerful character, very powerful character. So um, some folks I know will... Uh, would like to take him instead of one of the other characters. Maybe uh, take out uh, the ninja. You know, uh, Edge the ninja. Take him out because he's he's very strong offensively, but he dies easily. You know, and and maybe put Yang in there who has a lot. He's a monk, so he has a lot of hit points and he has a lot of strength. Um, but that version is kind of unique to that. They've also managed to release a couple of amendments to it. I know one of them was called 
like the later years or, or something to that effect where it takes place after the events of Final Fantasy IV and uh, you use a different character and, and uh, all, all that good stuff. I don't want to spoil any of that if you want to play it. But my point is is that Final Fantasy IV has really uh, evolved into a game all, all on its own. And it used to be that uh, Square did not to go back and revisit Final Fantasy games, but we've, we have seen in recent years that they are more than willing to do that. And uh, probably for the last what, 10, 15 years, they've actually done some proper sequels to a lot of their games, and they've done... Uh, They've done spinoffs to others, so you'll see, you know, Final Fantasy VII's got a lot of uh, spinoffs, and and uh, you know, Final Fantasy XV had a lot of spinoffs initially. There was a lot of you know mobile games and things like that. The thing is, is now Final Fantasy is becoming more of a encompassing experience more than it is just a single one-off game uh, that they build up to and then move on. Is what they we are used to them doing, and now it's more or less, hey. Uh, here's Final Fantasy 16, and there's going to be a lot of tie-ins to this, so make sure you eat all this stuff up. Make sure you go buy this. Make sure you go buy that. That's what it's all about. But uh, Final Fantasy 4 has received its its uh, its share of love, and I would also make sure to... Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the soundtrack. And uh, the soundtrack is really good. Uh, very, very good. It's one of the better 16-bit soundtracks you're going to find. And it was so good, they put it on CD. And... Uh, of course, they did it. They do it with all Final Fantasies. Uh, is that they have soundtracks released for them, and Final Fantasy IV is one of the better ones. And it's something that I really, I've always kind of said that uh, the the 16-bit era was probably peak gaming for me, just simply because gaming developers of all types, whether it was music or art or anything like that, had to do more with less. And uh, these days. You can do whatever you want to with a game. You know, you have the money for it and, and to to develop characters that can talk and move and properly emote emotion through facial expressions. You can have moody music. You can have no music. You can have all this different stuff in the games these days because the medium has gotten to the point where storage space is no longer a big issue. And because of that, now I don't think the gaming developers have to work as hard to get their point across. Uh, I, I really don't, and it, it's created complacency and laziness, quite frankly. I don't mean it to sound bad, and I, I'm not going to throw every game under the bus, but I'll, I'll just use Spider-Man 2 here as a as a, a, a point here. Not that it's bad, it's not bad, but it's and not that the people who made it are lazy. I don't want to make it that clear as well. I want to make that clear as well, but the truth is, is that they can, they have all these tools at their disposal that they can show Peter Parker and Mary Jane having a really uh, intense conversation or having a really somber conversation and they, you can see the emotion on their face and they can cry and they can laugh and, and all that. But with the 16-bit games, they didn't have that. They had to do less. They had less to work with. So they had to do more with less. They had to work harder to get their points across. And the same thing is with uh, with the music as well, is that while the music is far for Final Fantasy IV is very, very good, it's very, very good for the 16-bit, no, it's not going to sound like uh, it was orchestrated you know, in an orchestra because it really wasn't. It's chiptune music, and that's, that's what I mean, is that they had to do a lot more with less technology than they have now. And I understand it's always going to be that way, and we're going to say the same thing probably in 20 years, is we're going to look back and go, golly, guys, look at what they had to work with to, to make Spider-Man 2. You know, good Lord, look at what we have now. And we'll, we'll probably say the same stuff. You know, I, I, I do honestly believe that. But you just go back and look at some of the classic stuff, your 8-bit and 16-bit era stuff, and realize what they had to work with and what they were able to accomplish with it. And that's where I think that uh, gaming was really at its peak was at that point. Because after the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, we got into the PlayStation and the Sega Saturn. And then you could have voices and then you could have video and all that good stuff because they were disc-based uh, medium. And these days, like I said, we have anything we want. It's uh, it's not hard. You just plug in a game and if a, if, uh, a game doesn't have voice acting in it, you're kind of disappointed, right? <laughs> at least if it's a AAA release. So... It, it's I, I just really think that the games like Final Fantasy 4, 6, even 5, uh, you know, the fantasy stars on the Sega Genesis, any of these these games that uh, were, were made back during that era, they had to do so much more to get you to care about it 
to care about them, to care about the characters, to care about the story. And it, it really is a, a huge accomplishment when, when a game comes out that makes you feel that way and, and gets you emotional about it. I'm not saying I cried at Final Fantasy IV because I didn't, but uh, I really cared about the characters. I really cared about everything. And, and it did. I did feel it when uh, you know, certain characters ended up passing away. And, and I'm trying not to spoil anything for those who haven't played it. Uh, it, it really meant something to me. And, and I... I, it's, it, I really wish it was it's the kind of game it's the, it's really the kind of game I wish I could have people just sit down and play and not have anything else distract them no new releases no anything just sit down and play the game like it was originally intended and take in everything that that you are watching you know it's, it's like trying to get someone to read a book you know you you have a friend that says dude you totally have to read this book this book's awesome and you're like eh, I don't know they give you the book and then you start to go start reading it and then Oh, you know, TV shows come on, movies come out, you know, whatever, and it distracts you from reading the book. And and I, I, I think the same thing applies to video games in that realm, too. And we have to keep in mind that there's a lot more game releases these days. You know, when Final Fantasy IV originally hit, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff coming out on the Super Nintendo. I mean, there, there's a lot of games for it, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like we were swimming in role-playing game releases. We would get one per year, if that... And uh, it was a pretty big deal to, to get it. And if you go back and look at the most valuable games on the Super Nintendo, a lot of them are going to be role-playing games. You know, I, that's uh, how it was. And that's how uh, it, it ended up being during that time period. And these days now, RPGs, JRPGs in particular, come out all the time. You can go on Steam right now, and there's thousands of them. You can look on your Super Nintendo or your, uh, your Switch store, Nintendo Switch store, there's a ton of JRPG-inspired games that come out on that. PlayStation's the same way as well. There's a lot of games now that uh, use the mold that Final Fantasy IV basically... Uh, I don't want to say created because they didn't create it, but it definitely was a big uh, influence on a lot of people's lives. A lot of people who are making games right now were directly influenced by games like Final Fantasy IV. So, uh, like I said, it's my second favorite one. And if you have a chance to play it, and you have the time to play it. It's, uh, if you if you know everything and you're the first time you play it, depending on the version, of course, because of the hard version versus the easy version. Uh, the easy version you probably get through in about twenty four hours, twenty four to thirty hours. If you you know if you're booking it, if you're gonna grind and look for secrets and all that good stuff, it's probably gonna take you between forty to sixty. But uh, you're, if you're playing uh, one of the, the harder versions, that's going to take you a little longer because you're going to have to grind some. But uh, it's it's kind of game. I kind of wish that uh, anyone who says they are a fan of, of role-playing games should be able to play because it is quite a bit... Uh, it's really good as far as the story and the character developments go. And it, it's, it's also a straight JRPG. It is much more based off of the story and off of the character development than it is about the technical system behind it. That's uh, something I've talked about before is the difference between Western RPGs and JRPGs. JRPGs are usually about the story. They're usually about the characters. While your Western RPGs are much more about the system that, that is around it, you know, the the technical aspects of it, you know, the, the people wanting it to be closer to real life. While uh, JRPGs are like, why don't we want to take you to experience the story, so... Not that it's better or worse, but that's to me that's the difference between the, the two types of RPGs. And if you want any sort of examples of that, just check out games like Fallout. You know, any of the Fallout games, uh, they're con technically considered to be role-playing games, even though they're these days it's more of a shooter. Uh, but it it still applies. Is that there's a there's a lot of technical aspects about the Fallout games that come out that they hang their hat on you know the VAT system the being able to build up a colony in, in Fallout 4 things like that the technical aspects of the game and the story is completely secondary even though the story is great the story is secondary to the technical systems behind it and then you look at Final Fantasy 16 that just came out you're going for an adventure you're going on an adventure with with Clive and you're going to learn about him and his past and his family and uh, his present and future for that and what's going on with him and how he ends up and his his ultimate fate uh, with with having the power that he uh, that he has so that is a, a, a huge difference between the Western and, and JRPG audiences there's nothing I'm not saying one is better than the other I'm just saying that they are 
they are different. So you will find people who prefer one over the other and will play one over the other every time. And there will be folks who like to play one that won't play the other. I know a lot of people who play Fallout and play Starfield who can't stand JRPGs. And that's perfectly fine. You know, as long as you're happy, play what you want to play. But that's what I want to talk about today. Just thought we'd have a little bit of retro episode to talk about one of my favorite games, you know, Final Fantasy IV. Again, you're looking for something to play. Go ahead and check it out. I know you can download it right now. The Pixel Remaster is excellent. They remixed all the music for it. They've done a lot of good stuff with it. Uh, you really, really should uh, check that out if, if you're into that. If, you're, if you want to give it a go, it's uh, it's I, is it 15 bucks or something like that? I don't remember how much it costs. But finding an original cartridge on the Super Nintendo is much more expensive. So uh, make sure if you're going that route, you take your wallet with you because you're going to have to pay quite a bit of money to find an original cartridge of it. Otherwise, you know, the ones uh, like on the DS, is, they're cheaper because they were mass produced. The one on the Game Boy is probably going to be one of the more expensive games on the Game Boy, but it's not going to be a, a terribly expensive game. You know what I mean? I just guessing because again square was was a much bigger power at that point they could afford to print more copies as opposed to with final fantasy 4 on the super nintendo hey we're a small publisher we're up and coming we're only going to limit our our publication of this game to one run and that's all we're going to do so hope you'll check it out if you're into it now uh we'll go ahead and call it for the for this week now we do have there's not going to be any big changes to my streaming schedule coming up, but we do have a holiday here in the United States coming up. Our Thanksgiving is coming up in two weeks. So uh, basically, I'm going to work all this week. <laughs> uh, as, we, as we're listening to this on Monday, I'm working as you're listening to this more than likely, and I will work all this week, Monday through Friday. Next week, I am taking off uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then I'll have Thursday and Friday off for the holiday. So I'm going to have like a six-day weekend right there you know i'll have tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday all in a row off uh it is my plan to at least to at least stream like i am uh usually scheduled for fridays and, and sunday mornings with me having that extended time off i might try to get a bonus to uh, stream in because i did miss a, you know a couple when i went to TwitchCon. i missed some when i went to to Italy, so I might uh, I might try to slip in on one of those days and uh, and play something for you guys. Uh, as I said, we're playing Spider-Man 2 right now. My next game I would love to play for you guys is the Super Mario RPG remake that comes out this uh, this Friday. Actually, uh, I'm looking forward to really playing that. I really want to get into that. I love the Mario RPG, uh, just like Final Fantasy 4, uh, one of my favorite games on the Super Nintendo, quite frankly, because they did a really great job with it. In fact, uh, maybe uh, next week I'm going to do, I, I'm thinking of doing a, a retrospective on that and then hopefully maybe getting a little review in of the, the remake. So uh, we'll hopefully see what, if I can get in, uh, enough into it to where that'll happen. So anyway, uh, I still plan on streaming this weekend, Friday night and Sunday morning. And then uh, the week of Thanksgiving, we're going to see what happens. I know Thanksgiving uh, Day, I will be with my parents' house. So there will, Thursday Thanksgiving, I don't plan on being here at all because uh, I will be doing that. But I, I still will probably check Twitter. I still will be able to probably post funny things if I can. And uh, I, I know over the last couple of weeks, I've not posted on Twitter as like I'd like to. A lot of reasons why. Uh, you know, I've had some problems at work. I've had some problems with uh, uh, anxiety, and I, I still have been posting here or there, but I have not been nearly as active as I would like to be. So I'm hoping to rectify that, get some funny stuff out there, and making everybody smile and laugh again, because that's really what I want to do. Uh, you know, people who know me, I mean, I, 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 I just want to make everyone happy. I want everyone to, to smile and laugh, especially in times like this. There's a lot going on in the world right now. It's and I will not even pretend like I am an expert on any of it. So if they want to know why I'm not talking about it on anything, that's the reason why. Is I'm by no means an expert, but I do want to give people a place they can come where they can kind of maybe forget about stuff going on in the world, and uh, hopefully I can provide that to people through making people feel like we're one. Because the truth of the matter is is that the, 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 all the stuff going on in the world today is because people are divided. That's why that's always what causes problems is that people are divided in some way or another. And in reality, 
we're all the same. We're all, we're all, we're unique in some ways. You know, we all have different personalities. Some of us dress a little differently. Some of us feel like we're in the wrong bodies. You know, all these, these things that are, I won't pretend like I'm an expert on hardly any of that. But what I will tell you is, is that it, deep down inside, you know, if I get punched in the mouth and you get punched in the mouth, we're going to bleed the same color. We're all the same on the inside. And it's on the inside that's what, that, that matters. It's on the inside what counts. Okay. So, I want to provide that to folks as something where they, they can feel like they belong because gaming is a huge community. It's a very large and loving community. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I just really want people to realize that, uh, gaming brings, uh, brings us together. Gaming unites us. And that scares a lot of people that you can have someone on one side of a, 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 a topic and someone on the other side and they still get along because they love games. They play games together. And I think that's really beautiful about our, our uh, community and our, our hobby. It's a very uh, accepting hobby. And, you know, I've talked about it before. It's like it's, I, I earned my stripes. I, I definitely earned my stripes from being bullied and things like that called names because I was into gaming. And now it's, it's, it's regular. You know, everyone is into some sort of gaming or someone's playing something right now you know and my mother who does not know a thing about games i i don't know what she's doing right now but i guarantee you she's playing something on her ipad because that's what she does <laughs> so yeah i i really want people to feel like uh they have a place to come and and, and uh, feel united and with other people regardless of your background and uh that's how we are. That's how we are. So let's go ahead and call the podcast right now. I will definitely see everybody uh, this weekend coming up. I do plan on being on Friday night. And I do plan on continuing continuing with Spider-Man 2 at that point. Now I do have uh, an iron in the fire for a collaboration with a friend of mine I've been talking about. We might get around to doing it this Friday. We'll have to wait and see what she wants to do. She's much more popular than I am. Uh, that's because she's better looking than I am too. But uh, the truth is, is uh, we've been talking about playing Borderlands together for shoot two months now before I went to Italy. So uh, hopefully we'll we get our heads together and we'll get that around and uh, have some fun doing that. We want to do it on a night shift where uh, you know I can drink a little bit and she can drink a little bit and see how much trouble we can get into <laughs> playing Borderlands like that. Okay, so uh, I hope you take care of yourself. Hope you take care of your loved ones. Hope you're staying warm. Hope you're staying safe. And I'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you for listening. Greatly appreciate it.